Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. And this is going to be on aortoenteric fistulae. And this talk is based on the exhibit by Shiva Rahman uh, from uh, RSNA a couple a year back or so. Uh, and uh, it's a very important topic. So let me go through this with you. Aortoenteric fistulae are rare. It's a life-threatening condition, but fairly uncommon. But I think we are going to see more of these as we see older patients with uh, aneurysms that are increasingly complicated. Early diagnosis is critical, as mortality without intervention is essentially 100%. CT is the study of choice. Other examinations like endoscopy can be done, but it's really CT that is the primary study. One of the challenges is, in many cases, the imaging findings are very subtle and can easily be missed. In a sense, from a clinical presentation, there is a triad, abdominal pain with GI hemorrhage and a pulsatile abdominal mass. But to me, the way you have to think about it is when you have GI hemorrhage and a patient has a known abdominal aortic aneurysm or repaired abdominal aneurysm, it's something to think about. While almost all patients will eventually experience GI bleeding with these fistulas, it's not always the case. Sometimes people have only abdominal pain and distension, but again, imaging can pick up very subtle zones of fistulization and bleeding. As I mentioned, mortality, if undiagnosed, is 100%. And even with prompt diagnosis uh, and treatment, is uh, only 66% because it is a, typically a sick patient and a very complicated repair will need to be done. We talk about primary and secondary aortic enteric fistulae. Primary occurs in a native aorta without a history of prior intervention. It's more rare than secondary fistulae. Most of them will be secondary, as I'll discuss. And causes include a perforating uh, atherosclerotic ulcer, which is the number one cause. Occasionally, bowel pathology, diverticulitis, perforation from a foreign body, aortitis, appendicitis, and GI malignancies can all be a cause, but that's fairly uncommon. Secondary is typically what we think about. It occurs in the setting of prior surgery or intervention. Its incidence is up to about 0.6% of patients with prior aortic surgery or graft, or graft placement. But it maybe is rarer than that. Again, we see lots of aortic aneurysm repairs, and it's rare to see this complication. It's thought to be secondary to prolonged pressure upon the bowel by a graft or chronic perigraft infection. And the things that make you a higher risk uh, would be emergent surgery for ruptured aneurysm, operative complications such as reoperation or bowel injury at time of initial surgery, complicated endo leaks, or stent migration. Although we like to say that these fistulae can occur in any portion of the GI tract, the duodenum is the most common area, and usually it's in the third or fourth portion of the duodenum. And just think about it, that's where the duodenum drapes over the aorta. You can see cases in other portions of the duodenum, and there's jejunum or ileum, stomach, colon, can all be possibilities, but those are very rare. It's really the duodenum, that's the area that we pay the most attention to, and that's where we make the most diagnoses. Well, what do you see on CT? Ectopic gas, either within or directly adjacent to the aortic lumen. Sometimes you actually can see gas from the bowel loop directly into the aorta proper. You can see direct extravasation of contrast from the aorta into the bowel loop, but that's fairly rare. 
And occasionally you can see a leakage of enteric contrast directly into the periodic space, which also is extraordinarily rare. Again, typically it's the gas, the air that we're looking at and make the diagnosis. Secondary findings, effacement of the periodic fat plane, but that could be with almost any inflammation. Focal thickening and tethering of a bowel loop adjacent to the aorta. Again, that's a sign that's suggestive but not diagnostic. Periodic free fluid or soft tissue thickening. Disruption of a graft or significant graft migration. And a penetrating ulcer or intramural hematoma adjacent to a tethered, abnormal looking loop of bowel. So I think what happens is sometimes it's a very tough call and you have to be thinking about that. In fact, at times it's better to at least suggest the possibility than to underplay it. In terms of CT, the primary CT findings of an autoenteric fistula are rare. Again, extravasation of either enteric or vascular contrast is rare, but we do see it occasionally, particularly with fast scanning. So to me, the way to do these studies is with water as an oral contrast agent and then with IV contrast. To me, the best chance you have is of seeing contrast going from the aorta into the bowel. Making the diagnosis on CT is dependent on using a number of the secondary findings in the context of an appropriate clinical history. Again, you may not see that obvious fistula, but the conglomeration of findings we discussed may be what is necessary to make that specific diagnosis. Now, there are some mimics, severe infection in the perigraph region, aortitis, mycotic aneurysms, kind of in that same spectrum, perianeurysmal fibrosis, and the immediate postoperative aorta, remember it's not uncommon to see ectopic gas up to one month after surgery, and perigraph fluid can be seen for up to three months after surgery. So again, in the immediate post-op period, you want to really underplay making that diagnosis. So let's look at a few examples. Here's a very nice case showing you prior repair, and you can see the periaortic ectopic gas. This patient had a complicated history, multiple abdominal aortic aneurysm repairs, uh, now presented with fever and hypotension. So again, that finding, if you told me the patient was operated on last week, the air would not bother me. You tell me the patient was operated five years ago, that bothers me. You see the duodenum, the third portion is adherent to the uh, vascular structures, and you have to be suspicious that this is and was proven to be a fistula. Same case, here's another example. Sometimes the coronal views can be very helpful in defining the full extent. Another example, this is an interesting case. This patient had several aortic reconstructions as well as prior ureteral reconstructions. And if you look at these images, look at all of the air seen around the aortic graft and look where the duodenum is. You can see inflammation nearby, particularly in the perirenal spaces. This patient went to surgery and aortoduanal uh, fistula was confirmed, as well as interestingly, fistulization to the patient's right ureter. Now, in this case, it's interesting because you can see the patient does have air in the calyces of the right kidney and does have air in the bladder. That's a really most unusual example, but look how impressive the air was looking at the aorta in the coronal or sagittal plane. When you see air like this, there has to be a fistula present. Another case, very nice example, similar to the first of ectopic periaortic gas. And here it is again, looking at other planes. I think sometimes you have the problem, am I looking at air that's 
into or around the vessel or is it simply bowel that's adherent? That can be somewhat tricky. Looking at a range of images in different planes and perspective can be very helpful. Another example, here's a case of a 46-year-old with an autoenteric fistula. Uh, felt to be related to prior lymph node dissection. You can see fluid around the aorta. You can see an air bubble. Uh, this patient uh, had fever, abdominal pain. And on follow-up angiogram, there was frank extravasation of contrast into the small bowel. And you can see that very nicely on this next set of images. And this patient subsequently died. Now, another example. I mentioned, of course, that duodenum is the most common area but it's not always gonna be in the duodenum. This patient had massive uh, lower GI bleeding. You very nicely can see a large right iliac artery aneurysm, and you can see the sigmoid colon nearby. And when you look at the full set of images, you can see that there's fistulization between the iliac and the sigmoid colon. All of that contrast is really vascular contrast into bowel. There was no PO contrast nearby. This was a large fistula. This patient uh, did not uh, survive the treatment. Another example. Here's a patient we mentioned complicated repairs or native aneurysms with uh, expansion. And you can see in this case, no prior surgery, but the patient had GI bleeding. Look how the duodenum from the third to fourth portion is tethered over the aneurysm. You can see the air bubbles present. You can see as we look a little bit closer on the contrast study, there's a tiny air bubble within the aortic aneurysm outside of the uh, opacified lumen. That means the patient has a fistula. Very nice example. Now, you don't always need IV contrast. Sometimes the patients don't have IV contrast. Again, this patient's surgery was four years earlier. You very nicely can see the autoenteric fistula here. Or in this example, you can see this patient had a autobiliac grafts. And what you can see on these examples is a tiny focus of ectopic gas between the graft and adjacent duodenum. Uh, this was an aortoduanal fistula, and this was confirmed at surgery. This patient did well. Again, in this case, aggressive management was important. Another example here, you can see very nicely the duodenum, the abnormal aorta. Very nice example of a fistula. Now, in terms of ancillary studies, what else can be done? People have suggested endoscopy. Perhaps you'll see a site of bleeding or ulceration in the duodenum. That can be done conventional angiography, nuclear medicine tagged red blood cells, but these days CT angiography is the study of choice with GI bleeding. And so one of the things you need to be looking for are these aortoenteric fistulae. Here's a nice, uh, some comments, endoscopy. Uh, the fistula itself is rarely seen, if ever, by endoscopy. The clue tends to be blood in the duodenum. Uh, but again, it, this can be misleading. The presence of an incidental ulcer in the stomach or duodenum can be mistaken for aortoenteric fistulae because you're just not seeing the fistula. So endoscopy is not going to be ideal. Whether it's uh, angiography, conventional style, nuclear medicine, when you're doing GI bleeding these days, you better be going to CT. Even in the angiographic literature, it shows that CT is much more accurate. Angiography is reserved for treatment of GI bleeding. CT is the way with dual phase imaging to make the primary diagnosis. 
Now, in terms of management, we made a couple comments. Surgical resection of the infected graph is critical. Bowel resection, you need to create an extra anatomic vascular bypass graft. The problem is when you describe those procedures, think about the infected bed you have. Mortality rates are indeed high. Uh, tremendous complications. Now, the thought of endovascular repairs is a better idea, but again, once you have infection, endovascular stenting is just not a panacea either. Some conclusions, um, extraordinary rare aortic enteric fistulas are life-threatening as patients uh, are getting more vascular surgeries, as patients are living longer, is something we expect to see more cases of. Uh, CT is critical in making the early diagnosis. You may be evaluating someone for an acute abdomen, and this may be the cause of the acute abdomen. Again, if CT misses the diagnosis, this patient will probably die. Again, the problem is, of course, that the diagnoses are often very subtle, but I think if you're very careful, you can be successful. Now, we've had some recent cases. Here's a nice example. Prior uh, aneurysm repair. Look at the duodenum coming across. Look at these air bubbles. You can see active extravasation. We give contrast. This is a autoenteric fistula, and I'll show it to you in many different perspectives. Just a very nice example. This is a very problematic case when you look through all of the images because what exactly are you going to do now? Do you have to go in and replace the graft? Do you oversaw the aneurysm? What needs to be done? It's a very, very problematic case. Again, the importance of the reconstructions is the reason I'm showing you this case. You can very nicely in the sagittal view see the duodenum and that interface loss between the duodenum and the patient's aneurysm, and that's where the erosions and fistulization comes. You can see where the air is tracking. Very nice example as you look through these sets of images. So it's a very, very important diagnosis to make. And hopefully, again, it's something that you need to be thinking about. And if you think about it, you'll make the right diagnosis. And with that, see you next time.